0: body peace to me feels like the kind of relationship we actually want with our body versus what I hear most women dealing with, which is basically body war, right? My body's not good enough. I wish I hadn't eaten that. I should do something about it. I should get to the gym. I should change the the shape of my body. I should really be in this struggle, in this fight. And that's where I Here, so many women sort of caught is in the struggle, in the war. We live in a culture that is yelling, yelling at us, screaming, hollering. Here's the ideal body. Here's what you should eat. Here's what you shouldn't eat. So we can't just be living in our own little bubble. It's coming at us. It's like you can't help it. So part of this work and really practicing body peace is how do I navigate the diet culture?
1: That's Nina Madelson, a board certified health and wellness coach. Nina helps women end our war with food and body so that we can finally feel at peace and at home in our bodies. The kind of home where we can run around naked and not worry about what is good enough or what others will think. Now that sounds fantastic, doesn't it? In this episode, Nina and I talk about why gaining a healthy relationship with our bodies isn't just a solo job or mindset thing. How we can approach the holy grail of weight loss so that we can have a better chance at achieving what we really want, and how we can embrace our bodies in midlife. My name's Lou Blazer. I'm a former management consultant and IT leader, turned writer and podcaster, and your host. On this show, I talk about life in the middle. But here's one thing you should know about me. I'm not an expert on midlife. I'm on this journey just like you. So together with my guests here on Second Breaks, we're going to explore what it actually takes to navigate midlife, thrive in it, and turn it into the best phase of our lives. This podcast is brought to you by Briefing Notes a digital publication for the over 40 about getting stronger, wiser, and bolder in our midlife. Check it out and subscribe for free at thebriefingnotes.com. So here's the thing. It appears that I have been at war with my body most of my life. Or if not exactly at war, I haven't been at peace with it either. Honestly, I think the last time I did not have anything to complain about my body was maybe back when I was 28 or 29 maybe. And since then, it's been a long list of grievances. I'm gaining too much weight. My thighs no longer have that coveted gap. The usual tricks that I had, like going on a quick no-carb diet for a few weeks, that used to be a sure thing, no longer seemed to work. And on and on and on. And now in my midlife, with my hormones having full control of the dance floor, (laughs) I have a whole set of new woes to add to the list. Not only have I been progressively waging war with my body, I've also been increasingly getting upset with myself. For not having enough self-control to say no to the bread and no to the pasta, and not having enough self-discipline to stick to the diet du jour, or not having enough motivation to haul my butt to the gym every day. Now, if there's any part of this that resonates with you, today's episode is a must listen. My guest today, health and wellness coach Nina Mendelson, talks about this concept she calls body peace. She says body peace is the relationship we actually want to have with our bodies instead of this war that we've been waging against our bodies most
0: of our lives. How I do define body war is, you know, my body's not good enough. I wish I hadn't eaten that. I should do something about it. I should get to the gym. I should change the the shape of my body. I should really be in this struggle, in this fight. And that's where I hear so many women sort of caught is in the struggle, in the war. And I was like, that doesn't feel very good at all. It feels kind of, frankly, crappy. And so then there's always this feeling like we're never good enough. And then that perpetuates the war. Oh, if I don't feel good enough, then maybe I should change what I eat. Maybe I should try the new diet. Maybe I should do paleo, keto, raw food, fasting, you know, whoever, whatever, right? Let me get out of this struggle. Let me get into the fix. But then all the fix does is <laughs> keeps us in the struggle. So I was like, you know what? There's a, There's gotta be a different way, right? Let's just opt out of the war and let's create a relationship that works that's based on respect that's based on a conversation of com- with compassion that's based on caring that's based on kindness that's based on nourishment and to me that's exactly what body peace is
1: i will confess that perhaps the only time in my life where I could honestly say that I was, I wasn't at war with my mm-hmm, body mm-hmm. was up until probably 27. And then after that, it had been a constant, you know, wanting to change something about my body. So even yeah. when I would go to the gym, it wasn't to feel good or to take care of myself. It was because I feel there's something wrong with
0: something. Right. And that motivation, of there's a flaw in me, or I'm broken in some way, or there's a shame, I'm ashamed of my body, so I better do something. That motivation is very, um, it's hard to maintain because it feels like a bit of a punishment. It feels like a restriction. It feels like a force. And for most people, especially women, I find that experience of like hunkering down and willpower is not sustainable. We're like awesome for a week, maybe two weeks, maybe three months, even six months, even. But eventually we're like, this is not fun. This is not pleasurable. And our pleasure seeker and our inner rebel comes out and goes, I'm out. Get me the ice cream. Get me the sofa. Get me out of this war. And then we f- we swing to the other side, right? Which is this rebellion eating. And, some, and I also call it a little bit, it's a little bit of like a freedom eating and like, woohoo, I am being, and I'm putting this in air quotes, I'm being bad, right? So when we're in that like swing from restriction to I'm being bad, that's what I call the diet cycle, right? We're like on the diet great, I got this. Oh, I'm so excited. I finally have a plan. I know exactly what to eat. I am being so good. I am so proud of myself. And look, my body is cooperating. It's doing what it, again, air quotes, should be doing, right? And we're like super on the high. And then it's like, oh, I just want to eat something or, oh, I cannot, or, oh my God, life happened. There was a pandemic or there was a loss or there was a celebration like life actually happened and now I'm eating and now, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person. I can't believe I did this again here. And this is the low part of the diet cycle, right? This is like at the bottom of the cycle. Like there is something wrong with me. And then we're like, maybe it's just not fixable. Maybe like this is a fatal flaw. Maybe this is just the way it is. Maybe I just have to live in a body that I hate, right? Then we like, like we just stay there for a bit. And then we're like, no, but look, my high school roommate just posted on Facebook and she lost, you know, a gazillion pounds on this new ABC diet. I think I'll do the ABC diet, right? And then here we go around the diet cycle again. Right? That's where most people are living is in that what I call body management in body hate or body shame or body management. And it's just not a way to really feel good about ourselves or feel confident.
1: Nina, I swear to God, you must have read my journals and my diaries <laughs> because... Like, you say these things. I'm like, this is what I say to myself all through my life. You know, it's just those cycle of exactly how you described it. And so in some ways, I feel
0: heard and seen and validated, (laughs) you know, like, okay, I must not be the only one thinking. You are not the only one. No, and I know it because I, like, I was there. Like, I do this work because this is my journey. I did, like, every single diet going. I did Weight Watchers for more decades than I care to actually admit, and I will admit to a lot. You know, like, this has been my journey of how to be in a body where I feel truly at ease. So I grew up in Montreal, and there's a saying there, je me sens bien dans ma ma peau. Je me sens bien dans ma peau means I feel good in my skin. And I would hear that and I'd be like, yeah, I don't at all. Like, so I get it, like from the inside out. I did the diets. I did years of therapy. How come that isn't impacting my relationship with my food and my body. I did years of dieting. How come that didn't impact my my relationship with food and body? I did years of nutrition, like learning. How come that doesn't? It's all of them. It is all of them. It's about the relationship that we have with our food and body. It's not just about the food. It's not just about, you know, our trauma or our mindset or you know, food scarcity in our youth or all the other issues that, it, that impact us and our relationship. It's all of it together. I call that the nourishment dynamic. We have to be working with all of that together to start to heal and have this relationship that really feels like, oh, I like living in this body. This is a good place.
1: There was something that I read on your website. You said there is no one right way of eating. He said, it's not about fixing, it's about taking care of yourself. Those messages resonated very much with me and I wrote them down and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to read this often and remind myself of these things. At the same time, I'm also very aware that the moment you turn on the TV and you see these ads or you go to social media or you pick up a magazine or anything, really, we are bombarded with messages about what looks good, the body shape that we should be going after or the diets that we should be uh, following. So I guess my question is, is it a matter of ignoring those messages? How do I reconcile these Mm -hmm. messages so that I'm not... They they sound
0: very competing. Yeah, (laughs) Lou, it's that's a it's a beautiful, beautiful question. And what I hear you asking is, how do I navigate listening to my own body wisdom while the diet culture is yelling at me twenty four seven? Yes. Right? And it's so important. Like, and this is, so I have a background of being a therapist. I also have a background of being a health coach. And then I became a body piece coach. And in those pieces of being a therapist and a health coach, there was a lot about, you know, if we can just change from the inside. Just change, make a decision, you know, do the transformative work. But what I've realized in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years is it's not just a solo job. It's not just an inside job. We live in a culture that is yelling, yelling at us, screaming, hollering. Here's the ideal body. Here's what you should eat. Here's what you shouldn't eat. So we ha- can't just be living in our own little bubble. It's coming at us. It's like you can't help it. So part of this work and really practicing body peace is how do I navigate the diet culture? How do I name it? How do I see it, recognize it, name it, and be like, oh, that's diet culture. Who's making money off of that message that they're, that they're selling me right now? So when they're selling me that body image, who's making money exactly? Oh, so that's that brand of clothing that's making money. Oh, that's that restaurant or that whole diet that's making money. Really important, like the classic thing, follow the money. It's very powerful when you're getting those messages to go, wait a second, who's benefiting off of my shame? Who is profiting? off of me feeling bad about my body. The diet culture is expert. It's a 72 billion, with a B, billion dollar industry that is really great at making us feel bad so that we buy what they've got to sell. And so part of our healing and reclaiming, this is reclam- like reclamation that's happening. Part of our reclaiming our body is naming the diet culture and setting and saying like, whoa, ho, 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 ho. you do not get to make me feel bad. You cannot profit off of me feeling bad because I'm gonna actually set a boundary. So those are- there's a couple of co- uh, concepts that I'm talking about. One is, how do I recognize the diet culture? Right? First of all, naming it, right? Oh, there's diet culture out there. Being aware of it, looking out, naming it, and then going, where's the profit here? Where's the profit? Okay, so they've got the profit and you know what? I am not their product. I am not gonna be part of their industry. I am opting out. So if we opt out of diet culture, then what are we opting into, right? So we have to have somewhere to go. If we say, nope, not here, what's the there that we're going to? And the there is an authentic relationship with your own body. A there is listening to your own body wisdom. There is knowing what actually works for your own body in terms of food, in terms of movement, and not going for the prescribed diet culture way, Because that's what they say you should do. And this gets me into my big feminist rant, which is enough, really, of having your paws on our bodies. Enough already. (laughs) Get your hands off of my body. Stop it. It's my body. I can listen in. I may not have grown up knowing how to listen in, but it's something I can relearn. It's something I can reclaim is that ability to what I call do body listening.
1: That was the other thing that you said that I was very curious about. You said that our bodies tell the story or something along the lines of your body is the book of your life.
0: Yeah. I
1: wanted to ask you what you meant by that.
0: So here's where this, that phrase comes from for me is I, before I was a therapist, before I was a health coach, I was a body worker. I had, did massage for years and years and years, and I would put my hands on women to give them a massage and their emotions would come up, right? Their trauma would come up. I would put my hands on their shoulder. What do you feel? Oh my gosh, I feel the burden. My child is not well. I would put my hands, you know, on their hands. What do you feel? I feel like exhausted. I've just been working so hard, right? Our bodies hold our life experience. And it was from doing body work day in and day out and really hearing women's stories in their bodies right? Be spoken, be felt, right? Lots of tears about the trauma, right? Sexual trauma, just violence, like, you know, big T trauma, like terrible, terrible things happening and small T trauma being a woman walking down the street, right? And being catcalled, just all of those things women hold in their body and men, right? We all hold our life story in our body. And so If we can come to this relationship with our body, if we can come to our body with the curiosity of like, what's happening here? What do you have to say to me, body? What's going on? Why are my shoulders up to my ears? Like, tell me shoulders, what's happening? I'm nervous, right? What's going to happen when the world opens? What's going to happen when, you know, I get on the next plane again? Like all of that stuff we hold. So if we can really look at our body as a container for all of our life experiences and honor her Mm -hmm. or him and understand how much wisdom there is and how much we can learn by being a student of our own body. Yeah.
1: You know, a couple of reactions. One, Nina, I used to always wonder, I never actually asked, But I used to always wonder when I go to a massage, if the person who's helping me or is working my body could tell that I am stressed or because I could, obviously I could feel my tension, but I, I always wondered whether they they could feel it.
0: Yeah. My experience is most people who are massage therapists or who work with people's bodies are pretty sensitive and you can feel like what's, what's. Going on, and people feel in different ways, right? Sometimes you can literally feel the physical tightness, but sometimes energetically or emotionally, like how we tune into other people. If you're an empathetic person, you can actually sense into what's going on. Yeah. Well, you answered a
1: question. I had always wondered that. But the other thing that you also said that I that I appreciated is that. If we do listen, because our bodies are telling us something, for example, I don't always crave the same things. Like, you know how when they say, oh, I'm craving for um comfort food, because yeah. you feel like you want to be comforted or something's going on. You feel like you want to be hugged. You you want to yes. feel, yeah, yeah. And so I'm craving for the foods that remind me
0: of mom or the yeah. foods that remind me of home, right? Yeah. Absolutely. My favorite way of thinking about cravings is that it's almost like a car with a dashboard, you know, and sometimes there's a light that goes off and it's beeping and it says service. And you're like, I don't know what the heck this car needs, but like there's some light, it's beeping. I don't know what, but it's beeping for something, right? Cravings are our body's way of going, hello, hello, I need something, I need something, right? And so if we can really be in that listening, so what do I need? It says I need, you know, comfort food. Oh, so I need comfort food. Okay, fair enough. I can eat comfort food. But is there something else that I'm also needing, right? If that red alert is I need comfort food, what else is that light? What is that alarm system It's communicating. So I need comfort food. Maybe I need to have a quiet day at home. Maybe I need to call somebody I really care about. Maybe I just need like a giant weighted blanket and feel soothed. And maybe I also need the macaroni and cheese. There's nothing wrong with that too. But it's often communicates something else is going on. And each craving has its own set of sub needs and it's so it's very cool to look at cravings instead of like oh i can't believe i have this craving again to go oh that's interesting
1: yeah and then you have the craving and then you you scold yourself you know exactly right (laughs) and then we go back to that
0: and now we're right we're in the cycle right of shame and blame and body management instead of being coming we want to be in a relationship with our body that's based on curiosity and inquiry and appreciation Okay, so
1: all this is good and it feels comforting. We can logically and emotionally tune in to what Nina is saying about listening to our bodies, listening to what it needs instead of what society or other people are telling us that we quote-unquote should be doing and instead move towards being at ease with our bodies. Who doesn't want that, right? But if you're like me... There's this nagging question that must be waving a red flag right about now. What if we actually want to lose weight? What if that is our goal?
0: So there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight, right? Sure, if you want to lose weight, great. The problem is is that historically, the way that our culture has told people to lose weight actually doesn't work. So if we're saying, I want to lose weight, great. But if you're then going to say, okay, now I want to go on a diet to lose weight. Let's look at the statistics here because the reality is, is 95% of people who go on diets gain their weight back, if not more weight within two to five years. And that was me too. I would lose it. I would gain it and more. I would lose it. I would gain it and more, right? Okay. So I want to lose weight. All right. That's a desire, but let's go deeper right? So first, let me stop the conversation about going on diets, because it's not effective, right? The analogy I always use is, if you were need a car, and you go to a dealership, and you're like, I'd like to buy a car, and they're like, here, this is a great car. You're like, well, that's ridiculous. Consumer Reports says that this car is going to stop in two to five years. In fact, it's going to start driving backwards. I'm not buying that car, right? They'd be like, oh, yeah, we've been selling you a lemon the whole time. Right, that's what the diet culture has been selling us, is a lemon of a car. So first is, okay, that car is not for me. So then, okay, but then why exactly do I wanna go on a diet, right? So often the answer is, well, I feel more comfortable in a smaller body. Great, what is it that makes you feel more comfortable? Well, I feel more agile. Great, let's go for agility. I feel like I have more energy. Great, let's go for more energy. I'm worried about diabetes. I'm worried about cholesterol. I'm worried about high blood pressure. Great. Let's work on your biometrics being at good levels. But let's move the weight loss conversation to the end because let's move towards what you want because your weight will adjust itself to your Body's weight, the weight that you can actually maintain. But if you're waiting to be good to yourself until you've lost the weight, wait a second. We've got this, frankly, ass backwards. Let's do the things that support us and then let's watch what happens to our body, right? I often say, I fired myself from weight loss and I hired myself to really be nourished.
1: Yes. I also love the, the, Getting into deeper, beyond the surface of I want to lose weight, right? Is it like when you differentiated the, is it the energy part? Mm -hmm. When I say I want to lose weight, what is it that I think I will gain or what I really want to gain when
0: I say I want to lose weight? Well, it's it's a placeholder right? I want to lose weight is a placeholder. It's code for a lot of other needs and desires, right? So just like we talked about the cravings being a red alert on the dashboard. Okay. Oh my gosh, I want to lose weight. Okay. Well, what is it that I want? Do I want to feel like I'm lovable? Do I want to feel like I'll, uh, I'll be able to attract a mate in life? Do I want to feel like I'm beautiful? right what exactly is in there and let's go for what you actually want because weight loss is sort of this like interruption in the middle if you will only get what you want once you're that weight well yes (laughs) it's like a roadblock (laughs) towards what you really want let's go for what you want and let's see how your body does in the journey because our body guaranteed is going to change because our bodies do We just do, we age, we change, we have surgeries, we have illnesses, we, like a million things happen. Our bodies are designed for change. So let's go for what we want and let our body just do its thing. Let's be on an advocate for our true goals. I wanna feel like I'm taking the best care of myself. I wanna feel like I'm nourishing myself with food that makes me feel alive. I want to be moving in a way that feels like I want to get up and move, right? I want to be able to be a grandmother and get down on the floor with my grandkids and get back up without hanging on to something. Great. Let's go for those things. Right. Lately, I've been wanting to eat
1: more vegetables. And Mm -hmm. so I find myself saying, which is a good, this is a good improvement in the way that I talk about food because I find myself talking about, I want to eat more vegetables. I actually want to fall in love with carrots and dark vegetables. And, and I, I find myself getting excited about cooking <sighs> different kinds of vegetable dishes, which I never did. And I can honestly say this, I've not said I want to lose weight. I've only been saying mm-hmm. I want to fall in love with vegetables. I want to have more vegetables in my diet. I mean... It's not like I'm forsaking meat, but like less meat. Like if I have more vegetables in my week, I'm happier.
0: Yes. You know, that kind of stuff. (laughs) It's so, it's music to my ears. It is music to my ears because what you're doing is adding in you're nourishing, you're giving yourself something. And we, as human beings, we respond so well to being given, to receiving, to having things added in, right? We respond so much better to adding in than let's no more meat for you. You should only eat meat once a week. You should, you should, should, and should, right? Those shoulds, we just don't respond that well, versus, ooh, what other? Oh, look at that vegetable! I've never even seen that. Right? Like, I don't know, a bunch of years ago, I was at the farmers market and I was like, tatsoi. What's tot soy? They were like, it's a little like bok choy and spinach. I was like, oh my gosh! They were like, just do exactly what you would do, but with spinach. I was like, fantastic! Then I was like tot soy for months. Right? <laughs> like, like to be in that excitement and delight is so yes. powerful and supportive. Yes. versus oh gosh if i'm not going to have meat what am i going to have instead it's a very different conversation
1: yeah i have a it's sort of like i'm not begrudging myself or I'm, it doesn't yes. feel like a punishment that yes. i'm not going to eat steak no actually because i want to eat this mushroom dish that i just discovered and that's it right and i'm so
0: yes. excited about it right right yes it's <laughs> a, it's a moving towards something Versus moving away. And the thing we're moving towards is ourselves. The thing we're moving towards is nourishment. The things we're moving towards is peace with our body. The things that we're moving away from is deprivation, right? We're moving away from self-judgment. We're moving away from a diet mentality. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about is such a powerful core practice in the body piece practice, which is what, what do I want to add in? How can I best be nourished? Nina, there's hope for me. <laughs> <laughs> there's hope for everybody. I actually, you know, I know we're, we're laughing about that, but, but often people feel like, Oh, this is just the way it yes. is. You know, I will always be hating my body. I will always be managing my body. I will always feel out of control. I will always feel shame. And that is not. True. And it's and it's just too much of an energy drain to be hating our body. And I have um, worked with many women who have come to me and said, I don't want to die hating my body. Right? Really, let's not. Let's stop that now. Let's step into a place where we walk into a room at whatever size we are and feel good and are not comparing ourselves to the other person and are not wondering how we're we're gonna navigate the buffet and we're not feeling self-conscious about eating, you know, oh gosh, how much are they eating? Like, let's not, let's reclaim our energy and feel truly at home in our own body so that we can do what we're supposed to do here.
1: I I talk a lot about midlife and enjoying this phase in our lives and and, Mm -hmm. and really thriving in this phase of our lives, but there's also um, the reality that women especially, we go through so many hormonal changes in our body that affects our body shape, our weight, Mm -hmm. all these kinds of stuff. And so you must have worked with women who go through this phase in their lives. What is a healthy way of approaching all these changes that are happening to our bodies? Because sometimes I feel like that's part of why women especially don't like yeah. getting older. It's because of all these things that are happening in the body, right? Yeah. So what might be a healthier way of approaching this, this phase in our life and the changes that are happening?
0: So first of all, yes. Um, I work all the time with women, our age, women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, right? Women in midlife and our bodies are changing. So the first thing to sort of wrap our minds around is that that's what bodies do. They change. And so one of the concepts that I often work with is what I call being body current, Because it's so tempting to be in the body we had when we were 20. Oh, if I could just get back into that body, right? Or the body that we're going to have for the wedding in the summer, right? That's our future body, right? Our past body or a future body. If we can or when we can be in our current body and be body current, then we can know what does this body at this age with this amount of stress, living in this particular climate, in this particular season, with this ability to move, what does she need to feel her best, right? So it's really coming into the reality of this is the body that I'm in now. How do I care for this current body? Not an imagined future and not an idealized past. And the other thing is that there's something that happens that's very um, important to know about for women in midlife. There are two times the women are most susceptible to eating disorders or severe disordered eating. One is when they're moving into fertility, right? Teenagers. And one when we're moving out of fertility. Premenopause, menopause, menopause, postmenopause. Because those are such giant fluctuations in hormones and body changes because of the hormones, there's this feeling of feeling out of control of our body. But what's happening is a very natural process, right? Our hormones are dramatically changing our bodies. And so there's a desire to clamp down and control. And so it's for that reason that those two ends of the fertility cycle are the most prone for eating disorders and disordered eating. So to really realize when you're watching, if you're, if someone's watching, their like issues around food can be kicked up. To really take it seriously, this is a vulnerable time for us. Our bodies are dramatically changing in a very powerful, wonderful way. But it can feel disorienting. Our body, as we knew it for whatever 40 years, has now shifted. And so there is this desire let me just, if I could just, you know, not eat the carbs, if I could just do this, then I will be in control. Right?
1: Can I tell you, Nina, if I just go out on a rant for a second, mm-hmm. the thing that I really hate. <laughs> if I could use that more, is you know, when somebody puts, and I'm, you know, good for them, they put like, oh, my jeans from- high- I still fit in my jeans from high school. And they're like, I'm a grandmother and I still fit in my jeans from, like, how in the world can I meet that expectation?
0: <laughs> yes. But that's so low to really name it as a cultural expectation and to name it kind of for the b s that it is, which that our size is but makes us a better person mm-hmm. right that there's morality in size, right, and that statement actually is a statement that's steeped in thin privilege, this idea that I am better because i am thinner and the reality is is our culture treats thin people better there is thin privilege right if you're in a smaller body you can get on a plane without thinking twice about it you can buckle a safety belt without thinking twice about it you can go into any store and buy something there's just not an issue in terms of navigating your body through this world and people treat people in smaller bodies better that statement of like look at me because i'm thin i am great Ugh! Like it just—it's so icky. Yeah. Right. It—it it reduces us to how good we are based on uh, the size of our body, and that's not true. Our bodies are important, of course. They're where we live. They are our vehicles for life. Sure, we want to take care of them, but the size that they are and how they look and if they fit into the genes—no. Mm, that's not the conversation.
1: You know, I, I just realized as you were just uh, uh, explaining that, Nina, that had we been in a different, say, culture where is the is the standard of beauty is different. Mm-hmm. So, for example, had we been like we, we've seen all those. The the art from the middle, you know, the the, from the sixties, the Rubenesque women, right, right, yes. Then that's the standard of beauty. Mm -hmm. Then somebody saying I'm a size zero, a size two, will be like, well, that's not really pretty. (laughs) Yes.
0: So it's so important to to have that lens so that you can see how our culture has created a very limited standard of beauty, and all women are supposed to move into that standard of beauty. And really, by the time we get to midlife, it is time to say, you know what, I'm not playing by your rules. I'm playing by my rules. And I'm playing by what I know is right for my body. And it doesn't matter what you think. Of me, It matters what I think of me because when I think of me in a good and positive way, then I'm able to contribute to life and to my family and to my friends and to the, you know, social justice in the world and to our planet in a positive way because I'm not obsessed with the burger I just ate.
1: The mantra of Second brace is celebrate midlife. And when you
0: hear that phrase, celebrate midlife, what comes to mind? So what comes to mind is um, freedom. Mm, because I feel like at midlife, we stop being so like, oh, do you like me? What do you think of me? Right? We move from what, um, this is archetypal psychology from sort of the princess stage of oh let me please you so that you like me and we move into queen stage which is I am okay, I'm good, I'm fine and and I have sovereignty, I am the queen of my queendom right? And in that is freedom of expression. In that is power. In that is freedom to really contribute to our world in a way that is fully, uniquely you, because everybody has something that our world needs. And at our age, all the barriers that we put up and our culture put up, get to fall away, and we get to step into freedom to be ourselves.
1: What a powerful message. As I listened to Nina, I could literally sense the swelling feeling of freedom to, as she put it, be ourselves, finally, once and for all, to be less worried about other people liking us and to be more centered on being ourselves and liking ourselves.
0: In my 20s, I was insecure. I was preoccupied with trying to do it right. In my 20s, I hated my body. And now I feel at home in my body. Now I feel confident to be myself. Now I feel like it's good to be me as I am.
1: Oh my goodness, I hope you found this episode as insightful and as powerful as I did. Here's where you can find out more about Nina.
0: There's three places you can go to my website, which is NinaManelson.com. I'm also on Facebook and also on Instagram, Nina Mannelson. And on my website, you'll find some really great freebies. One of them is the How to Be a Woman at Peace in Your Body eBook which just really breaks down what the kind of relationships are that we're having with our body and what's possible. Uh, And if you feel like you're ready, like just to wanna take a next step, a really powerful next step is I have a phenomenal group. I am just like head over heels in love with them, is my Body Peace Seekers. We meet several times a month and it's really about being in the practice of body peace, right, because body peace isn't like you know, weight loss goals. It's a practice. It's something we do every day to be in that deep, listening, authentic relationship with ourselves.
1: As always, you're going to find all the links and highlights of this episode on the show notes at secondbreaks.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or like listening to the podcast, please share it with your friends. Tell them about this specific episode. Tell them about Nina or about the podcast. Honestly, you spreading the word about the show helps tremendously because it puts the show in front of people, in front of midlifers, that helps then in turn grow our community of thriving midlifers. I would be so grateful if you would share this with a friend or two. In our next episode, I'll be joined by Annie Schusler, who shares her midlife crisis experience and how this period of questioning ushered in a career reinvention. I don't want you to miss that episode and any of the future episodes for that matter. So now is a good time to hit follow or subscribe on whatever app it is that you're using right now to listen to this episode. And if you happen to be listening to this on the website, uh, right around the audio player, you'll find some options for podcast apps as well. Okie dokie, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with Annie Schusler. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans.